Jesus fair was pierced by thorns, by thorns grown from the fall. Thus he who gave the curse was torn to But if you have your Bibles, take them to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I want to talk to you about a subject this morning that comes right out of the Bible. The title is, To Whom Belongest Thou? To Whom Belongest Thou? And we see that demonstrated here in 1 Samuel chapter 30. The Amalekites, which in our story today, in the Word of God, is a picture of the world. Uh, and what they would like to do to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Amalekites had gone and invaded and destroyed Ziklag. And for those that have studied 1 Samuel, you'll realize that Ziklag was where David and his army were encamped. And David and his army had gone out to fight in another area and I think David made a tactical error here because he didn't leave men behind uh, to support Ziklag and defend Ziklag. That's just my opinion. So David and his men come back from their battle and they find that Ziklag, they, they see in a far distance smoke rising uh, from the area of Ziklag. And as they come back and as they approach the city of Ziklag, they find the city basically ransacked by the Amalekites. Uh, their wives have been taken captive. Their children have been taken captive. All of their uh, herds have been taken captive. Basically, anything of value has been taken captive by the Amalekites, and the Amalekites are long since gone. And the men that were with David at that time uh, became very upset because, again, I believe of the tactical error that David made. They became very upset at David, and David, we find in 1 Samuel, the first few verses, finds himself with no support whatsoever. In fact, the men are thinking of getting rid of him, and these are loyal men uh, that David had with him, but because of what happened, these men are very upset. Their wives are gone, their children are gone, their possessions are gone, and that's why it says in verse 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 30, but David, because he had no one else, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And sometimes in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to come across situations where we're not going to have a lot of support. In fact, we might have people against us. And that's when we, as children of God, as God, our as God is our Father, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We must think back and think how God has delivered us in the past. And if God's delivered us in the past, he can deliver us again. If God has helped us in the past, God's arm is not shortened, that he cannot deliver, he can help us again. And so we at times are going to have to, instead of receiving encouragement from the outside, from other people, from pastor, from your teacher, from your family, sometimes it gets down to the nitty gritty where we must encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. And so that's where we pick up our story. The city of Ziklag has been ransacked, it's burning, 
all possessions taken, wives and children are gone, they're with the Amalekites now, and David and his men come back, and after a, a period of time, which I just said, David and his men are going to pursue the Amalekites because they want their families back and they want their possessions back. That's where we pick up the story in verse 9. Look at verse 9 and we'll read through verse 19. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. And David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, and this is where we get our title, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad. This is talking about the Amalekites now. They were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to them, David recovered all. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we again approach your throne in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we know that if we deal with these matters from an earthly standpoint, no eternal value will take place. So we ask that your spirit would have full reign in our lives this morning, that you would guide me as I speak this message, and Father, guide these that are here this morning that are listening, that your spirit would guide every word that is received, that you would give us wisdom and understanding into your things. And that, Father, as I've already made mention in prayer, that you would uh, give us that wisdom and understanding to make good, godly decisions this morning. Father, we pray that if there be one here that is uncertain of their eternal destiny, that this morning that your spirit would touch their life and that they would come to know Jesus Christ personally as their Savior. I pray now your blessing on our time together. May the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified. And Father, again, your will accomplish, not ours. And Father, we'll thank you for all of this. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask it. Amen. 
So as I've already made mention, the Amalekites in our story today in 1 Samuel chapter 30 are a, part, a type of the world and all the evil and all the ungodliness and wickedness that the world has to offer. Because we, I believe most of us know in this room this morning, but there may be some that think that the world has something to offer. But the world has nothing to offer that is of eternal value. Only Jesus Christ and what's done for Jesus Christ will last forever. But you see, I just want to show you a few things in these verses. First of all, just for introduction, the, the world or the Amalekites live large and are trying to have a good time. Look back at verse 16 where it says that they spread abroad upon all the earth their eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And boy, I tell you what, especially for the young people or for the young adults, it looks like the world is living large, doesn't it? It looks like they're having a great time. They're eating, they're drinking, they're dancing, and they might even have had financial gain because of their profession or whatever it might have accomplished in their life. But my friends, there is nothing of eternal value in what the world has to offer. The world will take advantage. They think that there's no consequence to their actions or their deeds, and that Nothing is going to change them, that they're immovable, or that they're going to last forever. But my friends, they're not going to last forever. Their lifestyle is not going to last forever. The Amalekites are here to destroy. The world is here to destroy the work of Jesus Christ. The world is here to destroy the work of the local church. The world is here to destroy our families the world is here to destroy our own personal lives. That is their desire. This world philosophy that is out there. And not only do we think about the world wanting to destroy our church because the world wants to infiltrate itself into our midst and start to delude the truth. Uh, start to compromise the truth, and that's why we must stand on the Word of God by the principles of the Word of God, the standards of the Word of God, and as Pastor has said so many times, that you'll have to shoot us to change us, because we're not going to change. The Word of God does not change, therefore we should not change in our convictions. But not only does the world want to destroy our churches and our families, but the best way for the world to infiltrate us as a church the best way the world will infiltrate our families is by first getting into our individual lives. And then we ourselves can be a conduit of the worldliness into the church or into the families. And I see an individual in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that the world got a hold of. The world got a hold of. The first thing I want to share with you is found in verse 11. I find an individual soul an individual soul. It says, and they found an Egyptian. And they found an Egyptian. It says in verse 13, and he said, when David asked him, to whom belongest thou and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt. This is an individual soul that we find here in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Very personal here. And it's very personal when the world wants to attack you and wants to destroy you, and through you get to your family, and through you get to your church, and through you get to your community, and through you get to your country. 
That's why we must stand strong. But this Egyptian was taken from home by the Amalekites. And that's one of their first tactics, my friend, is to try to separate you from other children of God. That's why we must surround ourselves with children of God, fellowship with children of God, because the world will come by and in a very personal way try to pick you out of that group and get you surrounded by ungodly, wicked individuals instead of godly individuals, people that want to go out and knock on doors, people that want to go out and pass out tracts, people that want to live by the standards and principles of the word of God. This is very personal. An individual soul was snagged from his house by the Amalekites, this Egyptian found in verse 11 and verse 13, but then there's a progression that happens. And it, can ha it happened in this young man's life, and it can happen in our life if we're not careful. It starts out with an individual soul, that Egyptian, but then he becomes a servant. And these are his own words in verse 13. And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, an individual soul that now has become a servant to an Amalekite. You don't start out as a servant. You start out as an individual soul. But as you start to hang around ungodly people, you start to hang around wicked people, you start to hang around uh, the world and the world philosophy and the world system, you soon, from an individual soul, become an individual servant to the world. That's the progression that happens. A servant to ungodliness, a servant to sin. And it sounds like an addiction, but that's what happens because I believe that all sin is addictive. You get into that, and it's, it's fun. There's pleasure in sin for a season, uh, but you don't realize the devastation that can take place, the consequences that can take place. But you start out as an individual dabbling around with ungodly people uh, uh, in the worldly system, the worldly philosophy, and soon you find yourself taken away from your family, and then the progression happens where you start to become a servant to that stuff, a servant to the world instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it starts with an individual soul, and you start, then you become a servant, and then look at verse 14, I believe you become sold out. Because again, these are the words of the Egyptian, the young man, the Egyptian, that said in verse 13, I am a young man of Egypt, that individual soul, then a servant to an Amalekite, he becomes that servant to sin. And then verse 14, he becomes sold out because he includes himself with the Amalekites when he says, we made an invasion. Because I believe words mean something. And the word of God, there's no filler in the word of God. God didn't think, oh my goodness, I'm, my book is too short. I'm going to fill it up with some stuff. Every word in the word of God is important. And we see this individual soul that became a servant now is including himself with the Amalekites when he says, we made an invasion. He's now part of the crowd. He's now part of the world. He's there having the good time, the eating, the drinking, the dancing, the party times, enjoying the finances and enjoying the spoil. But my friends, as an individual soul becomes a servant, and as that servant then, the next progression is to be sold out to that way of life 
something happens. Look in verse 13 again. He fell sick. Because my master left me, it says at the end of the verse, because three days ago I fell sick. Something happens and you lose favor with those that you are running around with. Back a few years ago, I was sitting down in the emergency room. This was back when I was in Michigan. And I was talking to the emergency room doctor. We were just sitting, it was a smaller hospital. And uh, I was making my way out and I was on ER call, meaning anyone that <clears throat> came to the emergency room that needed to be admitted and didn't have a doctor on staff, I was assigned that patient. So I was getting ready to go home and I just went through the emergency department, making sure that there was no one that I was going to be assigned at that time because I could get my work done and not save it to the next day. So the emergency room doctor was a friend of mine. So we're just, I sat down, we're chit-chatting. And again, it's a smaller hospital. So where we sat, uh, we could look out to the entrance of the emergency department. And it was all glass, so you could see clearly it was a nice evening uh, and uh, in July in Michigan, and you could see clearly all that was going on. And while we were talking, a car drove up, uh, which is nothing new, but the back door opened without anyone getting out. The back door opened, and a body fell out. Now, that's unusual. I don't see that every day. So the body fell out. It's a young 19-year-old uh, male, a young man. And the uh, people in the emergency department ran out and put him on a gurney, brought him in to the emergency department, where the emergency room doctor and myself started to assess him and work on him. Uh, toxicology report came back because we obviously drew blood and checked what was in his system, and he had an enormous amount of cocaine and alcohol in his system, and that's a very deadly combination. We worked on him. I spent hours that evening in the emergency department with the emergency room doctor working on this boy, this young man, and three separate times we had to code this, this young man. But we finally stabilized him after several hours of very intense hard work. He didn't have a doctor on staff. In fact, for a while, we didn't know who he even was, so he was assigned to me. And so we transferred him to the intensive care unit. And while in the intensive care unit, I took care of him. But I ask you this question, how many people do you think came by and visited him? Just one. And it was his mother. And I vividly remember his mother, as I would come through the ICU, sitting at his bedside with her, hand, her, her face in her hands, rocking back and forth, saying, Jesus, please save my boy. Jesus, please save my boy. He developed acute pancreatitis, which is inflammation of the pancreas. He developed what we call bacterial peritonitis, which is an infection of the abdominal cavity, the lining of the abdominal cavity. And I'm going to tell you, I, 
I, I try to work hard on everybody, but I, I mean, I sweated bullets and blood and tears on this boy, and three days later, he passed away. See, an individual soul is taken from their family. They become a servant, and then they're sold out, as this boy was to his group of people that he ran with and the drugs and the alcohol that they participated with. But something happens. And as it says in verse 13, my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. Something happens and the world will use you until you have nothing more to give and then they'll drop you. And that's exactly what the world will do. That's exactly what the devil will do. Take everything that is precious, everything that is of value to you and use it up for ungodly things and then leave you with nothing. That's what the world will do. And then, as I already said in verse, five, in verse 13, they separate from you. He says in verse 13, my master left me. As these other young men left this young man to die, they, they don't care about your future. They, they left this Egyptian, uh, this servant that was sold out to the Amalekites, to the worldly system. They left him with no provision because as we read, he had gone three days without any food or water because, my friends, the world doesn't care for you. The world don't care. But Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ does care. The world, they'll utilize your talents, your treasure, and your time, and then when you have nothing left to give, they will drop you. My master left me. That's what it says in verse 13. And I ask you this morning, and this is just part of the message, to whom belongest thou? As David asked this young man, to whom belongest thou? Do you belong to the worldly system? Do you belong to that riotous group of people out there that are just drinking and drugging and doing their own thing? They're eating, they're drinking, they're dancing, they're having party time. Life is just one big party. My friends, the party will end one day. The party will end. But I see a wonderful, wonderful message in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and David and his men. David in this story is a type of Christ. And the men that are with David are a type of church. Jesus and his church, we are actively pursuing the world and all the casualties from the world. David and his men were actively pursuing the Amalekites because of what they had done. And my friends, we as a church need to be actively pursuing the world, looking for those people that the world has discarded and pick them up and help them through the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 11 that they found an Egyptian in the field, the men did, and they found the Egyptian and they brought him to David. We are to be out there looking for those casualties looking for people that have been discarded by the world, dropped by the world, forsaken by the world. And as these men found this Egyptian 
and brought him to David. So we as a church, we as individuals, need to be actively looking for these people. And when we find them, as the men brought them to David, we bring them to Jesus Christ. We share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We share with them the love of Jesus Christ, the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. But look what they did. They brought him to David in verse 11. And they gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. They fed him. They found him, and then they fed him with bread, and they gave him water to drink. And that's exactly what we need to do when we find people that have been abused by the world, hurt by the world, discarded by the world. We need to give them the bread of life and and the water of life, which is Jesus Christ. They bring him to Jesus. Allow him to partake of Jesus. Believe in Jesus Christ as his Savior, their Savior, and allow Jesus Christ to become their sustenance. They don't need our psychology. They don't need our psychiatry. They don't need a lot of the things that uh, people say they need. What these people need, what we all need is Jesus Christ, that bread of life and that water of life. Because we as a church are supposed to be a city of refuge, a hospital for the sick. When people come in our doors, we're not a jury box ready to pass judgment on people. That's what a lot of churches are. They come in and they stare people down because you're not dressed the right way. You're not shaving the right way. Your hair's not the right way. You don't speak the right way. You don't smell the right way. May we with grace and mercy accept anyone that walks in these doors. Because this Egyptian was left by his master. He had had gone and fallen sick, left by his master. The world's going to leave people. They're looking for something. They're thirsting for something. And, And we not only need to be here for them when our church doors are open, but we need to be looking for them, actively pursuing them when we're out there in the world in business and shopping uh, and, and recreation, looking for these people that are hurting, that have been discarded, and bring them as the men did, bring them to David. We bring them to Christ. We find them, and then we feed them with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our, this city of refuge, we need to redeem people through the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we need to help people get renewed and restored. Because not only am I talking about people that are lost, that have been abused by the world, discarded by the world, but I have seen in my ministry with Reformers Unanimous, I've seen plenty of saved people that have been plucked out of their family, been plucked out of their church, and abused by the world, and abandoned by the world. And my friends, we need to be actively not only pursuing the lost, but we need to be actively pursuing those that are saved, that have fallen by the wayside, and bring them back to Jesus, and allow them to once again feed on heavenly manna and the living water, which is Jesus Christ. And again, allow Jesus Christ to become their sustenance. And this is, you say, well, I'm not in the full-time ministry. Well, neither am I. This is David and his men. We we are, Jesus is our captain, and we are his army. And we are, all of us, 
as God gives us the opportunity to bring people to Christ. Again, not only for salvation, but for reconciliation for those that are saved that have fallen by the wayside. So they found this young Egyptian, they fed this young Egyptian, and now this young Egyptian, because he has been fed and given water, he is fulfilled. Look at verse 12. And when they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. His spirit came again to him. He was satisfied. He was fulfilled. He was revived. Uh, His spirit came to him again. He had a purpose and a plan for his life. And that's what we can do for people as we share with them the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ and the wonderful word of God. These people can be fulfilled again. They, they thought when they were in the world, they thought when they were discarded and abandoned from this world that they would never have a purpose or plan again in life. But my friends, God's grace is sufficient. God's mercy is available. And, and children of God that have fallen by the wayside can come back. They can have purpose again. They can have a plan for their life again, which is to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. And for the lost person out there that has no concept of their eternal destiny, they can find life everlasting in Jesus Christ and also a purpose and a plan for their life. And so they found him, they fed him. He found fulfillment. But in verse 15, he still had some fear. Look at verse 15. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor, here it is, deliver me into the hands of my master and I will bring thee down to this company. There's a lot of people out there, some maybe even here this morning, you're saved, but you made some wrong decisions. And you got hooked on drugs, you got hooked on alcohol, you got hooked on pornography, you got hooked on anger, you got hooked on gossiping, you got hooked on bitterness, whatever it might be. And and Jesus Christ has rescued you, but in the back of your mind, there might be fear that 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 master will grip you again. And that's what this young Egyptian said, don't deliver me again to that master. But I want to let you know the the last thing that I see here is not only that they found him, they fed him, he was fulfilled, he still had some fear. But instead of fear, my friends, for the child of God, there's freedom. Look at verse 17. Because what did David do to the old master? And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all. The old master, for those that have struggled in certain areas, the old master can be destroyed. You don't have to go back to it. They say in the addiction world that relapse is part of recovery, but I believe there's a recovery without relapse. You don't have to go back to it. You don't have to go back to the sin that so easily besets you. You don't have to go back to the drinking. You don't have to go back to the drugs. You don't have to go back to the pornography. You don't have to go back to the gossiping or the anger or the bitterness or the condemnation or the criticism. You don't have to go back to that because we stand liberated in Jesus Christ. We don't have to go back. 
This is what being made free is all about. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, the old enemy can be defeated. And so this morning I ask you, first and foremost, to whom belongest thou? Are you first and foremost a child of God? I remember I started to teach and preach when I was 15. That's when God called me to preach. I was saved at 13. God called me to preach at 15. And so I started to teach and preach at the age of 15. And my father was my pastor at the time. And obviously listening to him, and he was a seasoned speaker, he said, son, whether you speak to 10 or 10,000, you speak with the same passion. And whether you speak to 10 or 10,000, even though you might be only speaking to 10, never assume everyone is saved. Even if you have five and they're all church members, never assume they're all saved. I tell my patients in medicine, assumption in medicine can be deadly. That's why you verify everything in medicine as best you can. And so to whom belongest thou this morning? Do you belong to God as his child through Jesus Christ? Have you one day accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, realizing you were a sinner, that you couldn't save yourself, that the wages of sin is death, but wonderfully, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you ever made that decision to accept Christ as Savior? I ask you the question, to whom belongest thou? If not, in, in a very short moment, Pastor Moon and myself will be up front during what we call an invitation, where we sing a song and we invite people to come forward to kneel at an old-fashioned altar or to speak to us if necessary. And if it's a woman, we'll have another woman speak to you, man to man, woman to woman. But we would love to share with you how you can know through the word of God, not Pastor Moon's way, not my way, but the Bible way of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. To whom belongest thou? A child of God, may I pose the same question? To whom belongest thou? Where is your focus? Where is your attention? Where is your passion this morning? Is it in the worldly system? Eating, drinking, dancing, partying around, having a good old time, neglecting God, forsaking God? To whom belongest thou? Maybe some children of God need to kneel at an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I need to come back to you. I need to be revived this morning. I want my life to belong to you. I want to be guided by you, directed by you. I want my passion in life to be you once again. And then thirdly, church family, are you doing your part in trying to find these abandoned souls that are out there? Are you passing out tracts? Are you, as God allows, going, uh, knocking on doors? Do you have a spiritual mindset and a spiritual vision 
looking for people that have been abandoned, that have been discarded, that have been pushed to the side, and say, oh, my friend, listen to me. I have your answer. It's not in the psychobabble of this world, but it's in the precious word of God. And bring them to Jesus. Allow them to feed off of Jesus. Allow them to to feel the fulfillment that only Jesus can have. And allow their fears to be dispelled because now in Jesus we have freedom. Because only the truth makes free. All else brings bondage. And so church family and then us as individuals, are we doing our part? Are we following our Savior as he pursues the world? Because God wants to save everyone. Are we doing our part? Some of us need to pick up the pace. Some of us need to put spiritual glasses on so that when someone walks by that God has uh, for us to minister to, the Holy Spirit can tap us on the shoulder and say, go after that person and bring them to me. And so this morning, may again I say, as David asked this young Egyptian man, to whom belongest thou? Let's pray. Father, I again appreciate the opportunity to preach your word. I want to thank you for the wonderful story that you give us in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Father, I pray that as we enter this time of invitation, that you would touch every heart that is here this morning. And Father, again, if there be someone this morning in this room, whether it be a visitor, a church member, it doesn't matter. If they have an uncertainty about where they will spend eternity, I pray that they would come at this time and speak to us, allowing us to share with them the word of God so that they can walk out of here assured of where they're going to spend eternity, that they can be assured that they're a child of God on their way to heaven. Father, if there be a saved person in here this morning that's dabbling in the world, let them know they're dabbling. They'll eventually become a servant to the world and they'll eventually become sold out. I pray that that saved person that might be dabbling in the world, that they'll find themselves in an old-fashioned altar, crying out to you, Heavenly Father, to restore them, and I believe that you will. And then, Father, help us as a church continue to pursue those that have been discarded by the world, abandoned by the world, and help us as individuals to be that light of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people that enter into our life that are hurting, that are depressed, that are anxious, that are wandering around without any direction, that you would give us your mercy and grace to share with them the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray again that you would work in every heart, help us make good godly decisions, and through all of this, may the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If, you'd all... if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. 
Thank you, and God bless.